Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bircher, and this is another episode of Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 70, The Great Resignation, or The Big Quit. Now maybe you've heard about this, and I'm going to make this fit into the R versus should problem, but it's also sort of a tangent because it's timely. So this whole COVID thing, right? I mean, I went through it as a business owner when it started, and I, a business owner that was basically a bar and music event place. And I was like, this isn't going to work <laughs> with COVID. We're going to lose some serious revenue. Looked at our overhead and just sort of was like, how are we going to deal with this? And my idea was just to shut it all down. Don't pay a one red cent and not make one red cent and just put it on pause, sort of pickle it, you know, if you will, until the the world looked better and, and it was more appropriate. You know, and I wanted to do this from an economic perspective as much as a a pandemic health perspective. Well, one of my partners, you know, wanted to be the only place open and capitalize on whatever revenues we could and just worry about the rest later. I didn't see a successful business model in that. And, and luckily, the disagreement led to him taking over the business and me being able to get out of it. But but the point is, I was, I was able to, I've had a bunch of different experiences with the COVID pandemic and how that sort of worked with the economy. That led me to be able to claim unemployment, which was great, which I've never done. But, you know, I sort of lost my job by getting bought out of my personal business, didn't know what to do. Eventually, I got into real estate investment, but I did benefit from, um, you know, the what, I, what I'll just refer to as the aid that came through as a result of COVID that, we've, that, that has been, to some degree, I guess, propping up our economy in the United States, at least from my perspective, for the last year. But I've wondered... You know, through all that, my expectation as a, I lost my business, and that business, as I watch it, is like, dang, the overhead's way higher than the revenues. So it's like month after month over the last year and a half, I see it as going more into the red, which is already plenty in the red to begin with. And I figure that model's got to apply across the board. Instead, that isn't really what happened. A lot of businesses pivoted. Some fast food restaurants fired half their employees and just went to window only. And, you know, they cut their expenses way down by not being open, but took advantage of the fact that, you know, there was a more healthy, I guess, safer, whatever, way of doing transactions that cost less money and that seemed to work. And then like the contractors that I depend on and the work that I do now with rehabilitating houses and remodeling, that, that, so section of business is so busy, they don't know what to do with themselves. The cost of materials has gone way up, but there's still plenty of materials. I mean, the cost of a two-by-four all the way up has doubled. Uh, and the excuse is, well, we don't have enough people to make them, but they're, they're always on the shelf, right? So what I have seen, and there are other examples uh, in the world, is rather than an economic downturn or catastrophe related to the pandemic. Rather, I've seen a whole lot of success. And the, of course, the downside to this is really what this episode is about, is all my friends who own food service businesses or in the food service industry or like the brewery, you know, in a, in a business that employs people to do sort of minimum wage or tip Serve, server labor, or like my friends who are, have landscaping and the actual contractors I know, all of their staff, the people that had those sort of minimum wage or service industry jobs that we, I would have thought in the past kind of sucked because you're dealing with rude customers, it's retail, or you're not making enough money and you're forced to work crazy hours and you know, you're know you in that slave labor trap where you, you don't make enough money to 
to move yourself through the economic ladder, uh, but you have to have money to pay your bills, and it's just sort of this, all those people just quit. And and this um, this uh, econ- economist, I guess, named Anthony Klotz came up with this name, the Great Resignation, or the Big Quit. And, and it's genius because I wanted to do that. I saw it. I've been telling people, it's like, what happened? All I see is people thriving in the pandemic, and yet everyone would assume the economy would tank and all the predictions say, you know, the economy's tanking, but everybody's buying houses and property and what's going on. It doesn't work. And so this, this, this great resignation is part of it. It doesn't, it makes even less sense, right? What you would think is a pandemic comes in, people spend less money, have less money, work less, get fired, laid off. And so everybody's sort of suffering to some degree. Look at the real estate market. You know, that's not what happened. Everybody moved. Who moves when you got no money? It doesn't make any sense. Does it make sense to you? I I would never have guessed. Now, a couple of explanations have come up. One, those lazy bastards that working for landscapers and contractor, you know, um, carpenters and, and, fast food employees, they're just a bunch of lazy bastards that are living off the government. Government gave all this aid, again, we'll call it aid, out there, and they don't have to work. And I'm like, all right, maybe that's true. I mean, I got some of the aid, and it wasn't bad money. I was, and and honestly, I was paying myself $25,000 a year at the brewery to do what I did, trying to minimize how much I worked. But I had to, because we didn't have the money to pay me. And I was trying really hard not to work full time and I was being super efficient, but I was, you know, it sucked. It wasn't working, but, and I almost made that from unemployment. And so, okay, you can make $25,000 a year on unemployment in the United States, which is a half to a third of what a person or household needs to make to sort of be comfortable and to get, to, to, to get outside of, uh, you know, that, that poverty line sort of existence and have the potential for growth. It isn't terrible money. But thinking about a, a family like me, a family of six, trying to exist on $25,000 a year, I'm not real sure how that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, what is that? It's basically twelve fifty an hour. Uh, I can't do the math that fast. I don't know three three hundred dollars a week, twelve hundred dollars a month. If your rent's seven hundred eight hundred bucks, you got four hundred dollars a month to pay all your other bills. I don't see that working. So I don't buy the argument that I could walk away from say a service industry job where I might be making twenty twenty five dollars an hour in tips and stuff, um, or even a uh, a fast food job which is. Eight dollars an hour, which is not quite twenty five thousand dollars a year. Okay, there's okay. I see what you're saying. Some people might make more on unemployment than they did working at Burger King. Why would they go back to work in that case? But it runs out. And you know, I expected sort of like the in September or something when it's like that's it, all the unemployment's run out. It's like okay, uh, and the eviction notices were lifted. So I expected there to be homeless people on the street because they don't have a job. They don't have unemployment anymore. They don't want to go back to work because they're too lazy. Now they got kicked out of their house. Where are they? I don't even see it in the news. I mean, I realize that I'm privileged and, 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 don't, and I'm not privy to everything that's happening in the world. But is that even happening? And if it's not, why not? Because that's the way it's explained to me that it's supposed to happen. 
So, and with respect to aid, there's also all this aid and the PPE money. Remember all that stuff that went to the businesses that are supposed to pay for all those people that didn't want to work? Where did that go? Is that part of what's propping this up? And so if that argument is true, I figure somebody out there who's an economist or statistician or something can do this, who has access to these data, they're out there. How much aid was pumped into the economy over the last two years associated with COVID? How was that aid spent? And does it explain the fact that everybody was able to keep their jobs, right? I mean, to me, if you compare, let's say, October 2019, pre COVID by all circumstances, and October 2021 sort of coming out of COVID, um, are we better or worse off? And my argument is, I would expect us to be worse off, but I don't see that. I don't think we're the same. It actually seems like there's all, again, with all these businesses seemingly doing better and people not having to go back to work, that seems like we're doing great. And so there must have been more money pumped into the economy over the last two years than would have been generated by the economy operating under normal circumstances. Somebody tell me, is that true? Because if it is, it explains where we are. And that, and then it also suggests that where we are is artificially pumped up. And yeah, it's going to fall. It's going to crash. We're in a bubble supported by all this aid that came out through unemployment and through PPE and COVID. And we're all experiencing this false high of comfort. And all these sort of blue-collar workers are going to be in deep shit one day, and it's going to happen just like that. And this homeless people on the street thing with no money is going to be real, and it's going to look more like um, The Walking Dead than it's going to look like now. My, I'm wondering why that hasn't happened. Because, again, the explanations that I'm given as a result of the Great Resignation, how can we just resign like that. There's a freaking Wikipedia page about this. Google it. I'll put it in the in the in the notes for my, um, the blog post. Um, I just don't. I, on one hand, I don't understand it. On the other hand, I did this 15 years ago, right? I've been I've been hoping this these slaves see my episode about slavery would stop enabling the system and quit and walk away for God's sakes. So to me, this is the best thing that's ever fucking happened because it it indicates that there's a huge change coming, that the people are rebelling and revolting against the crooked system, right? It's a beautiful, you know, like utopian story of victory of the David versus Goliath. The big guys are getting screwed because all the people that have been doing all their work for them and pumping money into the pockets of the shareholders and not themselves have walked away. They're on strike. They've left the building and they've left the corporations to deal with it. It certainly happened to the contractors I know. They got more work than they know what to do with, but they can't find the labor to do it. And they're even paying uh, outrageous wages of $20 an hour. People are offering $1,000 signing bonuses to come work at Burger King, right? You know what? It's still not enough. If nothing else, what this says is your job sucked so bad that you'd rather quit than do it. Now, a lot of people will scream, yeah, but they're a bunch of lazy bastards. And again, I don't believe that. Some are. This is too big for that. We're talking about half, 500 million people or something like that. If you look at the numbers of how many more people quit during COVID as part of the Great Resignation versus before. And it's not crazy. It's not ridiculous. It's not like 
90% of the workforce quit. It's more like 6% quit, whatever on a normal year like 4 or 5% quit. So it's just a little bit more, but it's but it but it's a significant number of people. But so we're not trying to make some dramatic like this doesn't like change the entire planet. It's a, still a small set set of people, but it's a large part of the our economy's base. Our their our foundation who for years I've said are holding up the entire pyramid with a couple of rich shareholders on top. And it and, and it's about time they said no. You know, it's about time they said we're not going to enable this fucked up system economy anymore. Something needs to change and this is a great way to go about changing it. And one of the things that could happen is that, you know, wages could could well, first of all, let's talk a little bit more about why. Okay. So, uh, well, for, so the how is all this aid was pumped up into the economy, and it's enabled these people to not have to work because I don't know how. But more than that, it's like people, maybe they've modified their budgets. You know, what I, what I think about downsizing for my family, which we'll do in the next two or three years, I think about minimizing our expenses. How can we do away? And, and sort of some things that would just happen, like if you stopped having to go to work, you stop having to pay for gas. You stop having to pay for parking. You, you put less miles on your car, and so your automobile expenses decrease over the course of the year. So this minimalist approach to life, minimizing our consumer-type lifestyle, saves some money. So there's one part of the how that says we did some of that, right? I'm not, I'm not doing this thing anymore. I don't have to go to the office. I saved some money there. So that so part of it, it could be the consumers ourselves making some adjustments to our lifestyles in order to be able to not have to go back to work. So couple of different houses. And the whys, you know, the jobs sucked. And so people would rather quit. Or the flip side of, you know, sort of the, the right wing explanation is that all those people are lazy and they never wanted to work in the first place. And so that's why they all resign. Well, you know, they could have done that the year before. Like, how come so many more people decided to do that now? Are they just braver? COVID made them more brave. They made them more, you know, that live in their laziness and embrace that. <laughs> I just don't, that's not, I don't believe that. But, but then again, I fundamentally believe that people want to work or make some sort of effort and take control over their lives. I know some people are just inherently lazy, but I don't think it's widespread enough to explain these sorts of ch- changes. And so that, that's the why, the how and the why. Now, what I really want to know is like, again, is what is, what's going to happen over the next one, two, three, four, five years? Is there, some, is there some other artificial propping up that's happening that we don't see, that we don't know about? You know, how can you simultaneously have, you know, again, I talked about this in one episode, the boxes and arrows of money flow in our economy changed. And a lot of those boxes just got bigger and the arrows of cash flow into those boxes got bigger. The real estate market, way more cash flowing into it. The contractor market and all the tertiary markets associated with real estate, home improvement, money just flowing into it. Where, you know, if if we didn't print a whole bunch of new money and, and after we account for this pulse of aid, you know, does that aid a balance that system? Or, you know, is there some missing place where they're, you know, we're going to go look one day and be like, oh, crap, we forgot about this, and now there's no money here. Ah! And then the whole system crashes. Uh, but, you know, in some respects, I would guess that the economic machine that is the United States of America and certainly other countries around the world is so big 
that is not just going to die. I don't think there's I don't think there's one table of the the leg of the table that's going to be pulled out um, and and the whole thing collapse. I just don't see that. But it could be if it isn't ex- explained by this aid thing or some um, absent mindedness of the market that these really smart economists are just missing. You know, what's going to happen in the near to distant future as a result of this, uh, as far as the how the economy works? Will the workforce change? You know, the worst thing that could happen is that people put their tail between their legs and go, you know what, I got to go back and take that 750 an hour job and just have my life suck all over again. You know, I feel like those people might, some people right now are having a moment of power where they're like, God damn it, I don't have to do that. I don't have to live like that. I can live like whatever they're doing now. And I wish there was more um, knowledge about that or information. And I'm going to take this empowerment and I'm going to apply it to my life and rise above and figure out the next thing. You know, I'm going to be an Uber driver. I'm going to live like a minimalist. I'm going to be a digital nomad. Whatever you're going to do, you've said no to enabling this fucked up market that we have now where slave labor drives um, the 1%. That's wonderful. The best thing that can happen is that doesn't... The worst thing that can happen is we just go back to that. And it just... The the bad guys win, and the David or the Goliath, whichever was the giant, um, wins the battle, and we all put our, you know, just admit defeat. I don't want that to happen. And 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 I think in order to, for that to not happen, we got to understand what's going on. And I don't, and I don't, I don't have to. I mean, it's a, it's a little me, but I think it's, I think it is an amazing opportunity and a question. And even this Anthony Klotz guy, I mean, he's probably getting all kinds of, you know, increase in, in action or whatever, uh, and 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 translating that into leveraging himself up, you know, for his personal brand or or whatever. But it's so fun to think about uh, the positive things that could be happening. And then, you know, the, again, the negative things I see happening, the worst thing is just we go back to where we were. Well, the worst thing is that they were all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out from everybody and they realize they're two years in debt. They're never going to pull themselves out. They end up homeless and destitute on the street. And now we've got a huge problem on our hand because you're talking about hundreds of millions of people. Actually, I don't really remember the numbers, um, but it's not insignificant. Millions of people, let's say. Um, but I, I love the idea, the positive fantasy, uh, that this could be a, a reset mechanism for capitalism. What a story. What a utopian victory. What a better than the Hunger Games three-part series of movies where a pandemic hits, kills a whole bunch of people, but the net result is that it fixes the, the shit that was wrong in the first place. <laughs> not Maybe not related to the pandemic, but maybe related to the pandemic in some weird way. Um, I just I think we spent too long in the post-World War II technological era um, propping the system up on the backs of slave wages. And here's a situation that comes along, and for what it, God knows why or how, and hopefully it's not just explained by artificial aid, and government subsidies, um, people look around and say, this is wrong, and I'm not going to, I'm not, damn it, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then the next step is we figure out how to keep not doing it. And so what would happen is those 
the 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 business owners, the corporations, that side of the market, the the supply side has to make changes. And we're already seeing this, but I don't want the changes to be lip service because that's usually what happened. That's what happened when slavery was illegal. Well, they just came out with ways of lip service to sort of say, well, you're not really a slave anymore because we're giving you this meager stipend that you can't really live on or whatever. Let's put our money where our mouth is. What if we paid teachers and service industry people a living wage that really made ends meet and allowed them to make the seventy or $80,000 as a household that we've deemed it necessary to be sort of economically successful in the world? What if we tried that model? What if a result of the pandemic is that that model is forced by the market by real economic forces that are supposed to do things like this, beats all of the oppositional forces that have been designed by corporate America, like monopolies, to work against that, you know, and keep that down, because that's what's happened over the last 50 years, is the wealthy, the rich people, the corporations, they've figured out all these loopholes, like being able to perpetuate slavery, even though it's not really slavery, uh, or it doesn't look like slavery on paper, but it really is the same thing. And that goes on and on and on for all the other, like, healthcare. We can give you, you know, affordable healthcare, but it's not really affordable. You know, we can provide you good infrastructural services, but, you know, the, the, the water has lead in it, right? It's all those things. It's the, it's the under-delivering on the promises. What if this is the great accountability movement where it forces the, the government whatever, those in power, those that, that provide all of those goods and services to step up and do things correctly. And even more importantly than that, provides evidence that, that supports the idea that everything we hear from all of those entities, that we can't do it. It's impossible. It won't work. It was all bullshit mechanisms to perpetuate their positions of power. And that I wish I could explain that in a different way because I think I think for years the power that that was related to the money at the corporate level has been able to push so hard against the, 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 the forces that are supposed to balance that, the forces that are supposed to keep people from becoming bazillionaires, but that are supposed to keep the power in balance, that are the checks and balances in our government. It's like the people in power have shifted all of their efforts to sort of minimizing the, 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 those forces. And if those forces are allowed to perform the way they were intended to perform, then the rest will take care of itself. And I hope to God that's what we're seeing right now. You know, the, the big correction, right? In the form of the big quit and the great resignation. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. I will certainly be monitoring all of the articles that I see on Medium and, the, and the, there's an article in The Atlantic and I'll put some links to these things on, on this blog post for this episode so you can read them yourself. But I, I, I predict that we're going to have a whole lot of this uh, and I'm fascinated to, to see what comes. And I hope it's a net benefit uh, to humankind. <laughs> that has been episode 70, Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, The Great Resignation. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Bircher, and I'll see you next week. Take it easy.